It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, I need to hear from Tony Wrestler. Truly a surprise and one of the all breakout players in the NFL this year. Hmm. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or where you ever listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday afternoon that as we kind of are waiting to see what the Atlanta Hawks are going to do. And and we all anticipate it's going to be a busy offseason and all these things going on. And I don't think they can just run it back. And obviously, as we're waiting for the NBA Finals to wrap up and the draft is now, what, a couple of weeks away, you know, uh, I think it's two weeks from tomorrow was the draft. We're waiting in anticipation to see what the Hawks are going to do. But I still don't have a clear vision for what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And, and what I mean by that is, are we going to go in the luxury tax? You know, are we going to be active? Um, you know, what is kind of our, what, what is kind of our minimum expectation, different things. This is why I need to hear from Tony wrestler. Okay. And when I say that I want to hear from Tony wrestler, I don't want to hear bumper stickers and platitudes and campaign slogans like what we got a couple few months ago, where we talked about collaborative, communicative, you know, all of these if words, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in hearing that from Tony wrestler. I want Tony wrestler to ease my fears one way or the other. Look, if we're going to go in the luxury tax, say we're going in the luxury tax. If we're not going to go in the luxury tax, say we're not going to go in the luxury tax, set some expectations. Hey, we're looking at being a second round playoff team. Now, again, you have to have some goals, right? I mean, look, Tony Ressler is an extremely successful businessman, right? Uh, obviously, he didn't get there by just, well, just, you know, we'll throw darts at a wall and see what happens to it all. No, he set some goals, right? Why weren't the, Why can't there be goals with the expectation of what this team should be? And why can't there be a 35,000-foot macro view of what we are as an organization? Because, again, I don't have... I don't I, I still have angst about or just don't know that I feel completely confident that oh yeah we can just fix this thing. You know, it's not like Alex Anthopoulos, where I'm like, oh, okay, given his track record, given his track record of success, yeah, he's gonna fix it. He's gonna make it right. It's it's gonna be all good. And I can just have that faith and trust. I don't have that with Tony Wrestler and this organization because we've been let down for a couple of years. It's not like Tony Wrestler hasn't spent money. It's not a matter of, well, you know, we're not, we're, we're cheap and this, that, and the other. 
DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, Trey Young, Supermax deal, John Collins, big con. I mean, it's not like he hasn't gone out and wanted to spend money. But then we go on the flip side and we see Kevin Herter being moved because we want to stay under the luxury tax. And then we see that, okay, at the trade deadline, one of the, one of the main things that we did was give us more cap space room. And, and this is not a matter of, I need to know, I need to hear from Tony Ressler where he comes on and says, well, you know, listen, we're really looking at player X to sign, or we think we might make a trade for this guy, or nothing about the micro view of what this organization is. It, it, this is all macro talk. This is all bigger picture. Hey, here's some expectations. Our goal is to be a second round playoff team. Okay. Now, again, you fall short of that goal, we can talk from there. You, ex- you get to that goal or exceed that goal, okay, then we can talk from there. Are we going to go in the luxury tax? Because, again, if everybody assumes that we were not in the luxury tax because Tony Ressler didn't want to, then the perception is, is that right, wrong, or indifferent, that we're not an organization that's willing to roll the dice. We're not an organization that's willing to grow. And again, I know Tony Ressler wants to win a title, but when you look at the moves and you look at the things that were done, I mean, nobody ever said that Kevin Herter was a basketball move, that he didn't fit into what we did, that he wasn't a fit for whatever, you know, Nate McMillan's system is because he'd been with Nate McMillan. Nobody ever said that, hey, Kevin Herter's a bad guy. He's a bad person. Nobody ever said those things. This was like, oh, Kevin Herter's about to start a $64 million extension. Oh, and we can get under the luxury tax if we make this move. Oh, okay. And, and nobody ever explained it. It just was like assumed that, oh, well, you know, again, we traded Kevin Herter and, you know, and we got we we got we got Aaron Holiday back. Huh? What? Wait a second. A guy that's been here for a few years, you drafted him and now you gave him an extension, and now all of a sudden when you're starting to pay him, again, this is why I need to hear from my owner, not from Landry Fields, not from Kyle Korver, not from Quinn Snyder. I need to hear the guy who's at the very tippy top. And leadership is one of those things that always starts at the top and goes downward. Leadership can't start at the bottom and work its way up. Leadership is from the top down. And that's where I need Tony Ressler to come in and calm my fears about being a Hawks fan, about what direction we're going to go. Like I said, I don't want him to come on and talk about players or this or that or and how much we're going to spend or this or that. Because right now, they're a team that is $9 million into the luxury tax. $9 million. They're in the luxury tax now, as is with their roster. And if they're going to run it back or whatever, they're going to be in the luxury tax. But if I start to see moves that, well, we, we move this guy for, you know, kind of, you know, some money purposes or this, that, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be skeptical about this, about what direction that we're really heading. And a lot of that could be settled. And those fears could be calmed down. If I hear from Tony wrestler, the owner, and I know he doesn't like to do the media and he doesn't really like to, to step in, but 
this organization has been dysfunctional for the last couple of years. We've not built anything off of the Eastern Conference Finals run that we had a couple seasons ago. And because of that, I want to hear, look, we've got all new front office. We've got a new coach. You know, we're paying our coach big money. You know, we, we had to bring him in. We had to bring him in off his, you know, European vacation and all this kind of stuff. Like they're the Griswolds. I mean, we, we did all this stuff to get him in. And I just want to know as a Hawks fan that my owner has my back. That my owner is going to do what it takes, not from a micro perspective, but from a macro perspective. Now's the time that we need to hear from Tony Ressler. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Listen, FanDuel's America's number one sports book. And as we're into the NBA Finals right now, Denver, Miami, uh, it'll be well, game three uh, coming up uh, to, tonight, actually, tonight, Wednesday. Tonight, game three. Listen, FanDuel's got you covered, where if you're a new customer to FanDuel, you sign up for the uh, for at, at, at FanDuel.com slash locked on and claim your no sweat first bet where you can get as much as $2,500 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You heard that right. $2,500 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, FanDuel is safe, secure, super easy to use. They've obviously got you covered from whatever you want to bet on. Excuse me. <coughs> from whatever you want to bet on, whether it's prop bets, money lines, who's going to, you know, how many points is Jimmy Butler going to score, what have you. They've got you covered all the way around. And if you go to uh, uh, FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N today and claim your no sweat first bet where if your first bet doesn't win, $2,500 could potentially be yours. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel's the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So we've been going through these pro football focus lists of top quarterbacks, top wide receivers, top interior defensive linemen, right? We've talked about this on the show. The one position that I was frankly floored by is when I saw the top 32 centers in the NFL. So the, the ranking of the top 32 centers for the NFL. No shock, Creed Humphrey, Jason Kelsey, they were one, two. Um, hmm, how about Creed Humphrey, second round pick out of Oklahoma? Hmm, could we have had, anyway, sorry, um, I'm getting ahead of myself. But when you scroll down through this list, I was shocked to see this. At number 13 is Drew Dahlman. Quote, in only his second year in the league, Dahlman ranked 11th among centers with a 69.5 pro football focus run blocking grade. There's room for improvement in pass protection, whereas 27 total pressures allowed were the fifth most at the position. But if he can do that, then he is set up for another impressive season. So I was floored when I saw this. And look, I know I, I, there are things I agree with pro football focus. There are things I disagree with on pro football focus, right? I mean, we can have our difference of opinions. But I was floored to see that he was a top half center in the league in these rankings. Because, 
again, and, and this may be the, the idea of we watch a lot of what Drew Dahlman is. Did Drew Dahlman play better in the second half of the year than in the first half? Absolutely. Do I still think that Dahlman can be a decent center? Yes. But, okay, but there are still a lot of things to work on. One is your pass blocking, where you get pushed backwards into, into your quarterback, right? He is an undersized guy. Same problem that Matt Hennessy had. Undersized guy, pushed around a little bit. Yeah, again, when he can operate in a phone booth, he's a very smart, heady player, right? And he's also got, you know, arguably the best guard in the NFL standing right next to him. So that can also make you look better. And and Drew Dahlman had, you know, games where his snapping the football reminded me of James Stone and Matt and, and a Mike Person. You know, it was it was what um uh Mike Smith era uh or maybe that was Dan Quinn, but but when they had James Stone and Mike Person, Matt Ryan was when he would be in shotgun, would have to have a baseball glove on and field grounders off the turf. There were moments like that where you felt like, okay, can Dolman snap the football? But obviously he did get better throughout the year. And what's going to be interesting is if you pair him up with a rookie guard who's never played the position standing to his left, that's where my concerns come in. What have we always said on this show? And I've said it consistently on my radio broadcast, podcasting, wherever you can't have two below average offensive linemen stand side by side. We saw what that looks like a couple of years ago when we had Jalen Mayfield playing guard and we had Matt Hennessy playing center. We saw what that looked like. And that was a disaster. And it wasn't just a disaster for Jalen Mayfield. It turned out to be a disaster for Matt Hennessy as well. Cause Matt Hennessy was, not a strong enough player or, or good enough player, if you will, to compensate for the lack of what Jalen Mayfield, you know, couldn't do. Like he could not, he could not lift him up. Now, again, at center, you've got Chris Lindstrom standing right beside you. But on the other side, if it's going to be Matthew Bergeron, and I don't have a problem with allowing Matthew Bergeron to play and, and, you know, get involved and in being the left guard and, He's done nothing but that, whereas Jalen Mayfield was a tackle by trade. He was playing tackle in the preseason and playing tackle, and then all of a sudden he was thrust into the guard position. That was not fair, but also he did not respond very well. So what's curious about Drew Dahlman is what he what he looks like when you have an inexperienced guy that's standing to the left of him and a guy that hasn't played the position at all besides his one practice in the senior bowl he's always been a tackle at Syracuse that's all he's done and you saw Matthew Bergeron yesterday signed his contract and all this good kind of stuff so I'm willing to give Drew Dahlman the benefit of the doubt he's a very smart player right he's not the most physical guy that's out there size wise he's not you know a, a, a space eater at center he's an undersized guy lighter guy plays at a lighter weight, same same issues I had with Matt Hennessy. Like, those are two guys that, you know, they're not they, – they need to put a little bit more in the dumper. You know, they're, they're under 300-pound guys at center. But there were some good signs from Dolman last year. But I'm amazed 
that Pro Football Focus had him at 13, that he is looked at by them as that high of a, of a prospect or that high of a quality center. I can understand, you know, a, what, third-year player in Creed Humphrey being the number one center. He's been outstanding, right, all-rookie and then second-team all-pro. I can understand that. But I'm surprised that Drew Dahlman is that high up on their list and they think of him that highly. And if you think of some of the guys that are around him, Mitch Morse, Eric McCoy, Ryan Kelly, um, Evan Brown, um, Garrett Bradbury, you know, there's some really quality players that are behind Drew Dahlman. And obviously, you know, the same questions that Kayla McGarry has, we don't know what this is going to be from a pass blocking perspective. He's a good run blocker. And when he can operate in a phone booth again, you know, we can get that whole offensive line going and we can move people forward. So I'm shocked and amazed that Drew Dahlman is looked at and thought of that highly, but it is good signs and, and good vibes that they at least look at him, you know, from a analytical perspective that that the numbers back up some of the things that, you know, again, we started to see maybe toward the second half of last year. And again, I, I'm hoping that he becomes a really good offensive center. Again, we need as many guys, you know, stepping up for the long term at these offensive line positions. And it's our real position of strength. So if Dahlman can keep anchoring down the center spot, that allows Hennessy to play guard, allows him to do some different things. Because again, while you've got the maybe the best guard on the right-hand side of you, you're probably going to have a rookie that's on the left side of you. And we'll see what that looks like when, when all is said and done. But you might, you might have very well a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience. And sometimes partnering up two guys that aren't as good leads to disastrous things. We saw that a couple of years ago. All right, as you make hitting hard uh, your first listen, make sure that you go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So if you're on YouTube, leave us a comment in the comment section that you're an everyday or as we like to call them. I mean, so we thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. But let us know that you're an everyday listener to our show five days a week. So we want to hear from you that you're an everydayer, as we like to call them. And we like to be have that uh, as part of our group. And we thank you so much for being a part of this community. So NFL.com, my guy Bucky Brooks, um, does a great job for, for NFL.com and, and had a chance to talk to him uh, leading into the, the draft. He's got his all breakout defensive team. Okay. So these are guys that he looks for breakout years from on the defensive side of the football. And he's got Greg Rousseau. He's got George Karloftis. Um, that was a guy that I could have, you know, stomached having here, but again, we won't talk about all that. Uh, Deontay Wyatt, Derek Brown from Carolina, Nicobe Dean from the uh, Eagles, um, Derek Stingley, uh, JC Horn, uh, the Commodore Lenoir, uh, Grant Delpit, Andre Cisco, and that's the list. But there is one guy for the Atlanta Falcons on this list, and that is 27-year-old linebacker Caden Ellis. Now, here's what they say about Ellis. Quote, the former special team standout created a buzz in league circles last season 
with his strong performance as New Orleans' third linebacker and emergency fill-in for Pete Werner. Ellis notched six of his seven sacks over the Saints' final nine games, showing the football world that he could thrive as a full-time starter. After inking a three-year, $21.5 million deal with the rival Falcons, the former seventh-round pick could put up the kind of numbers that make him a household name by the end of the 2023 season. Okay, interesting write-up. And this is my quandary, enigma, and different things like that. And I was talking to my my buddy Mike Rothstein, who is the beat writer for the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN.com. And and him and I went back and forth about this because he doesn't agree with me, and I understand that. I mean, I can, again, he's looking at this from what I'm going to describe as a more micro view versus a macro view. But I've called him the Caleb McGarry of our defensive front. Now, he said, well, wait a second, that's not fair because McGarry started. Okay, looking at it from a macro view, this has been a guy who's a one-year wonder, okay? He's had four years in the league where he's virtually done nothing. He's had very limited snaps, mostly special teams. He did play in a whole bunch of games, but he hasn't started. Most all of his starts came this past season, and, and he took advantage of it. And look. Maybe it's free agent year, okay? Maybe, you know, he realized that, okay, I've got to break out because I'm about to get an NFL, you know, NFL extension. Whatever it is. But he thrived last year, and he had seven sacks overall, whereas in his first three years, he only had one sack. So, again, I asked Mike this. Am I getting the guy that we saw last year, or am I getting the guy that was in his first three years? You know, We heard the same thing about Lorenzo Carter last year, right? The anticipation was, you know, what did he have? Uh, Five or six sacks in the second half of the season before he signed with the Falcons, right? He was coming off a really good second half of the season with the New York Giants, and they obviously were, you know, maybe a team on the rise and this, that, and the other. And, you know, they looked at Lorenzo Carter and said, okay, even though he had some good production in the second half of the season, He's a guy we can afford to let walk away. And he came here, and he was solid. I mean, he's been solid. He's not spectacular. He's probably a guy who's played a much higher percentage of snaps than what we anticipated. I think last year he was 75% of the snaps for this team on defense. So he probably played a lot more than what we anticipated. But he was good, but nothing spectacular. And, And... I'll say that he didn't really break out and capitalize on the success that he had had the season before in the second half of the season, where again, he had like six sacks in his final six games or whatever the stat was for, for Lorenzo Carter. And obviously coming home, Georgia boy, right. And all this kind of stuff. So this is what I'm curious about Ellis with, you know, again, is he the guy that he was kind of in the first three years now, He'll certainly play a good bit more than he did in his first three years. He'll certainly take a high percentage of snaps. And look, if he can be, if if Eva Katie can man one side of the defensive line, if Caden Ellis can man some of the other defensive side of the line, and <clears throat> obviously Caden Ellis is a guy who can play some inside, he can play some outside. I think he'll mostly play outside, and we probably won't know until the first few weeks of the regular season what the defensive scheme looks like for him. But am I getting the guy that had all of that production 
from last year, or am I getting glimpses of the guy that was in his first three years or even maybe three and a half years? And maybe he, once he got an opportunity to shine and, and start, that maybe he took that mantle and said, I'm going to run with it. Or he was a guy maybe looking for an extension, right? I mean, it's uh, when I said about the defense of Caleb McGarry, it's because he's had his one breakout season in his walk year. Not not micro, don't don't micro it, macro it. He's had one good season where it was in his walk year, and up to that point, he had done not a whole lot. I mean, McGarry was okay, but we had a lot of questions about whether or not Caleb McGarry, because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, had a lot of questions about whether or not that, because he was a first-round pick and they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, can't do that with a Caden Ellis. He was a seventh-round draft pick, but... The idea is that, okay, we had a lot of questions about Caleb McGarry, and he answered a lot of those questions this past season. Caden Ellis maybe answered some of those questions this past season. And if you look, he's a guy that was projected to be a five, five and a half million dollar per year player. Okay. Indications were that he would be probably like a three for 15 kind of player. Falcons ended up paying him three for 21. Now, again, that's not a ridiculous number or things like that. But it is interesting that they had to pay him a little bit more than probably market value. And the fact that for a defense in New Orleans that is certainly looking to keep its pieces together because that's one of the things they're going to have to lean on, that they let him walk away. That they didn't make him an offer you know, for the team that drafted him. So again, do the Falcons know that they have a gem or do the Saints know that, you know, that they could afford to let this guy walk away? I don't know. Time will tell. But certainly Caden Ellis being on Bucky Brooks's all NFL breakout team says a lot about the idea of what his upside could be. And if we can get a seventh rounder to perform at a high level and give us six, seven, eight sacks, brother, I'm all for that. I'm all for a guy like Caden Ellis coming in and breaking out here. And again, if Ebba Katie breaks out and Ellis breaks out, then maybe we finally got our pass rush then maybe we can finally feel like, okay, I've got the guys that can go after the quarterback and get this thing done. But hopefully Ellis is the guy who we saw last year and not necessarily the guy that we saw in his first three and a half years. That would be something that we would sign a free agent and actually get him to maybe outperform what he did in the past. That hasn't happened very often for the Atlanta Falcons. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on your podcast platform that you are an everyday listener to the program. So we thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community and being with us for this last, what, year and couple of months uh, now uh, at this point, I guess 14 months now that we've been doing this thing. So we thank you so much for being a part of the community. You can uh, subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or where you ever listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hit and Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app as well and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 